Welcome to the Freshman Foundation Podcast, helping you make the jump from high school athletics to the collegiate level and beyond with your host, Michael Huber. Hey everyone, it's Mike Huber, founder and CEO of the Freshman Foundation and certified mental performance consultant. The Freshman Foundation Podcast is preparing young athletes and families for every next step in their athletic journey. To learn more about successfully navigating every next step in your athletic journey, then join our community by visiting michaelvhuber.com. Thank you for listening to the Freshman Foundation. How is Marcos Ball willing his vision for Urban Golf Club into existence? It's been said that sports are a vehicle for building character. Perhaps no sport exemplifies this more than golf. Anyone who's ever played golf knows how challenging it can be. Improvement is always possible, but it requires tremendous persistence. Ultimately, golf teaches three of the most valuable character traits known to man, patience, humility, and accountability. My guest in this episode, Marcos Ball, is founder of Urban Golf Club, a not-for-profit organization that teaches golf and financial literacy in Boston. In episode 56, Marcos shares how his experiences working as a caddy at a Boston country club through his teenage years, led him to imagine and bring to life Urban Golf Club. Marcos discusses his passion for teaching young people life skills that extend far beyond golf and his vision for growing the organization well beyond the borders of Boston. I'm excited for this conversation. Let's build your foundation with Marcos Ball. Hey, Marcos, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for thanks for coming on to the podcast. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I we you and I had never met until I watched the Golf Channel piece about Urban Golf Club, your organization, and I was just really fascinated by the story and by you. And so we connected, and I asked you to come onto the podcast. So I guess the first question I'd ask you is, what was it like being kind of featured or interviewed for that for that piece? Like, what effect has it had on you? Um, well, I'll tell you what, uh, I've been, I've been working at, uh, the country club since I was 15 years old. Um, mm-hmm. and I always knew, well, in the first year I was actually rookie of the year. Um, and actually I, sh- I kind of, I kind of, sh- I shared it with another caddy and we've had a rivalry ever since, but, <laughs> um, but in the, from the beginning, I was like, this is, this is a place for me. Right. And so coming into the U.S. Open and being featured, um, it never really it was like, OK, yeah, for sure. This is going to happen. I always had I always had in, in my mind, um, you know, the idea of creating an organization behind mm-hmm. it started in college as I was, you know, I was in uh, my business major. And um, I was like, yeah, this is obviously what's going to happen. I've been caddying at the country club since I was 15. You know, I'm going, I'm in business school now. I'm going to start a business teaching kids golf. Uh, it was just, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to get a lot of attention. Cause when I start telling people about this, it's, it's just going to, you know, snowball from there. Cause nobody's doing what I'm doing. You know, people mm-hmm. ask me about, uh, Oh, how are you different from the first tee? Um, and, First, first, he doesn't have financial literacy uh, as a, you know, uh, a part of their, you know, program. Mm-hmm. And I don't 
you know, and I and I definitely come with a different approach to kids. You know, I um, yeah, they have games, interactive stuff, but I'm I'm really like going down to the basis where I'm going into these community centers and they're playing basketball already. And uh, what am I going to do? Tell them to hit fifty balls until they get it right? Just cold turkey? Like, <laughs> no, and that's not going to happen. So, right. Um, from from the very beginning, ever since I started the idea, I knew it was going to pick up. I knew I was going to get some attention for it. And um, so the Golf Channel, the experience was, I mean, I was at the country club in my home course, uh, Ponca Park, that I grew up playing and where they interviewed my parents. Um, and then I went over. So it was kind of like a normal day. It's like probably the day I would want um you know, it's pretty much a normal day. You know what I mean? Like that's how it felt. It was right. just a camera in my face, which is. I fun. got you. Okay, well that that helps me, right? So you weren't. Doesn't sound like you were. You were nervous at all. It sounds like you know, and, and I get that. You know, I can relate to a lot of what you said there. I think we have a lot of similarities in the sense in, in a lot of different ways. But I think when you're so invested in what you're doing and you've had this vision for so long, it it's not it's not intimidating, right? Like, you know, exactly who you are and what you're doing. And so, right. Then you just have that camera in your face. It's almost like if I'm podcasting or someone interviews me, it's like, I'm not nervous. This is just who I am and what I've become. Exactly. And it's, I think what's so fascinating is your optimism, right? Like I could hear you say like, Hey, I've never doubted the fact that this is going to get recognized. Yeah. I mean, it's, I just knew I was in my own, my own lane, my own, you know, I'm a uh, very, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's my own niche, obviously. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it kind of surprised me that it, nobody's really, you know, gone after the way I am. Mm -hmm. And it's because it's these these kids, these kids, these kids that I, you know, try to introduce golf to, you know, they have their preconceived notions sure. and stuff like that. And um, I would say a lot of the time, you know, the average country club pro won't know how to approach uh, a kid that's right. never really had that um, in front of them before. So it's like, uh, I'm not, a, like I said, I'm, I'm not, a, of course I'm not afraid. Like at the end of the day, I was one of these rugrats, you know what I mean? Like I was, <laughs> I was the kid, you know, I was, I was playing, I was playing golf when they were playing basketball now, but right. um, I was still, you know, didn't want to hear no other nothing, you know, I didn't want to hear, I didn't, you know, mm -hmm. this is what I, I like. So like, you know, leave me alone. Let me shoot my hoop. Mm -hmm. I mean, shoot my ball into the hoop and stuff like that. It's um, so it's really just about making sure that the kids uh, understand that you're not gonna, you're not trying to take basketball away from them. Mm -hmm. Um you're not trying to, you know, you're, you're giving them, I, I introduced golf as a tool more than anything. Like, right. like golf, you know, it's more, it's, it's not even about being the best at it. Of course you always want to get better and it's, it's a never ending process of getting better in terms mm -hmm. of golf, you know, no matter where you start. Um, but it's, it's, I get these kids looking towards the future more than anything. Um, and golf is very, you know, generational. And mm -hmm. I mean, just naturally. Right. Tanded down. Exactly. So, um, so introducing kids to golf for the first time, you know, to, and stopping basically pretty much their entire life, which is on the basketball court. Um, I interact. I, I put together uh, routines where I put basketball and golf together. 
Yeah, um, I love that. So they would hit a golf they would hit a golf ball down the court and then pick up a basketball at half court, shoot a layup, make a shot, and then go back and forth. And uh, as they do that, I would uh, you know adjust their swings as they go. Yeah, and 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 I think you just said it, you know, there, and I think you even said it in the piece, like the way I think of it, right? And it, it's sort of similar to what I do when working with kids is you kind of meet them where they're at, right? Like you could try to force them to hit a golf ball fifty times the right way, but they don't relate to that. It's boring. No. Maybe I'm not having fun, right? Exactly. If you can kind of combine those worlds and make it, make it, you know, real for them, like, right. like it's, you know, it, it, they can relate to it. Then all of a sudden you got a chance to make a connection. And that, and that's the, one of the biggest things I took out of the piece as well is, you know, you said, you know, something to the effect of, you know, I, I don't want to be talking at them. Right. I want to, you know, I understand where they're coming from and that's huge, right? Because yeah. at the end of the day, sports are great. We all want to be good at sports. I think, you know, people who like sports want to get better at it. Some of us want to be professionals and that's a really hard thing to do. But what we do get out of sports is learning, right? Yeah. Which is what you're doing, right? You're introducing them to a new way of thinking and a new challenge that they wouldn't have had otherwise. Then it starts to sort of bring into the conversation, some of the principles, the values of of Urban Golf Club, which we'll get right. into, but uh-huh. I guess I wanted to ask you, you know, since we talk about golf being passed down, did your parents play golf? Well, my mother later um, tried it herself, you know, bought a couple of lessons for herself sure. and then she had brought us out to the driving range and I hit a, I was hitting a few, my other brothers were hitting a few and, you know, it just stuck on me. And um, ever since then, you know, my mother really never picked up a club again. Uh, but obviously, I took it and ran with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I mean, it just it just fell on my lap. You know what I mean? And I'm a I'm a, you know, just a nine year old kid, you know, willing to do whatever my parents right give me right. So, um. And the thing is about if I got, I don't know if I, I don't know what would happen if I got it later, like in my teens. Right. Um, cause that's, that's, cause a lot of these kids, they, like I said, they had their, they have their minds made up at when they get to their teenage years. Sure. They Absolutely. Know they, they, right. know they what figure they like. out what they like and they don't like. Exactly. And, and the thing is, they don't even know that they don't like golf. They just don't like right. watching it. Right. It's, it's, that's really the only perspective that they have is if they're flipping through on a Sunday and they see, oh, these guys playing golf again. Uh, but they don't know what it's, they, you know, they don't know. They never, they won't know until they try it. Well, I think there's a couple things in there. One, you know, you talk a little bit about, right. There's not, there's not a lot of people of color in golf. It's mostly old, right. older white men. Right. So it's hard to relate. Plus when you live in a place that doesn't have like a fancy golf course, like it's just, mm-hmm. it's totally off the radar. But I think, you know, regardless of, of the color of your skin or where you come from, like when you're in your teenage years, 15, 16, 17, it's, it's not, it's becomes about one, how do I get to spend my time? If I really like to play basketball and that's my favorite thing, like, why am I going to give up time playing basketball or to be with my friends or to be with my, you know, my girlfriend or whatever it is I do work to go play golf, which is expensive, right? Why am I going to give up that time? And two, it's hard. A lot of kids don't want to do anybody. People don't like to do things that are hard because they're going to fail at it. And it makes mm-hmm. them feel like crap. And golf is the ultimate, like humble, um, the ultimate, you know, in a humbling games, you know, I started yeah. playing at 30 and I was so terrible and I was always a good athlete, but I could not play golf for the life of me. And it would be so easy to just be like, forget this. I'm going to quit. 
Exactly. To take on that challenge when you're 15, 16 years old and like be okay with failing is not, that's not the easiest thing in the world right. to do. And, and uh, the thing, that's why I incorporate, uh, you know, something as simple as basketball, you know, for that positive reinforcement. That's really what it's that's all That's a good about. point. Um, so, you know, they'll whiff at it and I'll keep telling them the like, you know, go, just, just keep going. You swing if you miss, blah, blah, blah. You know, if they do that a couple of times out and they, you know, decide to like run after they whiff, you know, I'll grab them. I'll grab, hey, we're going to hit this ball regardless. Uh, you know, you're not going to be out here whiffing for 30 minutes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, using using something simple like basketball or even running up and down the court, grabbing the ball and passing it to their buddy right. and whoever gets uh, to the end of the line first wins. Whatever. Yeah, it's and fun. Exactly. So it's 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 um, definitely I get doing pushups, too. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, so it's it's. You know, golf golf sucks at the end of the day. Golf can. Is, golf, <laughs> golf is the worst is, is is the worst, you know, it has the worst learning curve. It's really hard. You know what I mean? It's it's just like just today, you know what I mean? I, I just started sw- just swinging. My friend said, Don't sw- don't play golf swing, play golf. <laughs> you understand that? Yeah. Like so and that's another thing I'll keep I'll keep paralleling golf and basketball all day. But, um, you know, I want kids to treat a golf swing like they I want a kid to have as many swing thoughts as they do, like layup thoughts. You know what I mean? How you know how much thought is going into a layup? How much thought is going to into a three pointer with three seconds on the clock? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the thing is about golf, it's like three seconds are always on the clock. Like, yeah, every well, shot, every shot is just as important as the last one. Like, like you don't have, you don't have, you don't have a lot of time to make up. You don't, you know, you know what I mean? I think it's such a mental game. And, it is. Yeah. It's interesting because one of the reasons, one of the influences I had in getting into sports psychology is I, I used to read these books by a guy named Dr. Bob Rotella who writes golf like books about the mental game of golf. There's a whole series of them. And I started reading them. I'd never really played golf, but I was like, I played a little bit, but I was like learning about the thought process. And one of the things he always said, and I, I, I still think about it today. I still use it. And I, and it related to my work is like, you have to put the same low level of, of importance on every shot. Right. If, if, if you try to like change the way you're thinking about the shot, they're all the same theoretically, but, the pressure is different when the situations are different. So right. how do you like just go up and hit the ball the same way every time, regardless of what's going on around you? And that's a life lesson, right? Like it kind of comes exactly. back to the values of your organization, patience, humility, accountability, exactly. right? At the end of the day, right? Like every shot matters and you've got to put the same level of intensity into it and the same focus and understand that when the ball goes into the woods, you got to play it where it lies. Right. You know, and you can't let that get you down because if you do, you're not going to last on the golf course. Yeah. I mean, it's like I said, the golf, the, the, the parallels between golf and life are, yes. you know, it's just, you know, they're there. They're, they can't be ignored. Um, and every time you walk on a golf course, you know, with the golf, golf demands it. If you're, if you're, you're going to end up quitting halfway through, if not, the third of the way through, if you if you don't hold on to your, uh, 
your patience, your humility and account. If, if you don't yeah. have those, it's, it's like night and day playing golf with or without them. It um, sure is. And yeah. um, so that's kind of what I, I push on the kids. And that's honestly, that's, I'm just now getting into it myself. <laughs> so, but, but I'm, but I'm curious, like, so how does that, how do those values come out in the, in the sessions with the, 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 the classes with the kids that you're working with? Like, how do they respond to those ideas of patience, mm-hmm. humility, and accountability? Like what's the typical reaction? Do they like, do they get it or do they sort of resist it or somewhere in between? Well, they, they, they understand. I mean, I make it very clear. Like if you don't have these three things at, first of all, you know, we, we, a lot of the time I define them first. So I ask kids, Oh, right. anybody know what know humility what is? Anybody know what patience yeah. or accountability is? Yeah. And, um, I kind of have them guess, Hey, what do you need? What do you think you need to do something, uh, well, um, eventually if you're really trying to get better at it, how, what does that take? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so first, first, the first off, I get them, I get that into their head. Like, you're not going to be good at this automatically. Yep. You're going to, you're going to be bad at it. I'm going to tell you you're trash. If you try to tell me that you're, oh, I can do it. You know what I mean? I'll have no problem telling a kid that you're bad. And the thing is, they don't, they're always, they're always, um, they're always looking for the instant gratification. Mm, yes they are you know what i mean and golf is everything but that and they get it mm. immediately after the first after their first swings they get it um it's just it's just <laughs> if they're willing to do it again and That's again right. and again yeah. and again <laughs> right to endure that that torture until you actually get to the point where you actually swing the, the club pretty well and it goes relatively straight at least or in the air it takes a while <laughs> in, the, in the air at the very least yeah um but it's like I said, it's it's one of the most difficult learning curves to manage in sports. Yeah, and um, you know, I like I like to I like to say people like to say, oh, it's a it's a battle against you know yourself. Um, yeah, it is. But I the I feel like you're real. Like if if you if somebody were were playing defense on you, mm-hmm. it's it's, it's uh, I tell these guys like, hey, yeah, you know, you don't have a person trying to block your tee shot. But at the end of the day, there's a bunker right there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the, like the golf course is your defender, right? Well, and that's it, you're absolutely right. And to me, the way I think of it is, is I think it's, I think it's your mind, right? Yeah. Like when I think about playing golf, one of the things, like just as an example, the bunker is one thing. But like for me, like if I have a tee shot over water doesn't matter right like you still just have to hit the ball the same way because if you hit it well it's going to go over the water and you're going to be fine but as soon as i see the water there's this like mental block like oh i have to get it over the water so what do i end up doing and it right into the water right like you have to get to a place where you can block out all those distractions because you can't do anything about what's in front of you and you have to really just focus in and be okay with hey i'm going to put my best swing on this and see what happens and exactly that's life right like in life there's sometimes we go out and give our best you know right. and things don't go the way we want them to what are we going to do we're going to throw our club we're going to snap it over our knee or right. are we going to just walk up to the ball and hit it again to try to get back into the fairway right. that's life you well, know and like- i think you said it really well and um, it's like, so I, I I play a little bit of basketball myself, of course. Um, but, you know, I, I can dunk the basketball, right? And, um, you know, people people say, oh, you know, 
oh, you dunk well when there's nobody on you. And I'm like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, you dunk well when there's nobody trying to block you. I'm like, yeah, no doubt about it every time. Um, but so when I when I say, you know, that you have the golf course playing defense on you, it's like you want to be – you want to treat every shot like you're Russell Westbrook. Like, yeah. Like you want to just – you don't want – like if somebody's trying to jump in front of you or if the bunker's right there, you're going to – drive you right. know through you're gonna attack you're gonna attack yeah. it rather than drive through it yeah right um, exactly and so you know i'm i'm really just thinking i really just thought of that just now yeah. <laughs> but, but it's uh, a good but it's a good analogy right you exactly. want to attack right always want to be attacking because that's in your control right regardless of whether there's somebody between you and the basket or there's a bunker between you and the green or whatever it is, right? Like you got to go after it with the same intensity every time because 100%. that's what you control. That's your attitude, right? Exactly. So I want to ask you, so like, I know you've had this idea. It sounds like you've had this idea for a long time. So like when exactly did you develop the vision? Was it in college? Is that what I heard you say before? Yeah. So it was about sophomore year in college. Um, I was like, okay, I'm in this business degree and um what the hell am I going to do with it? And I was like, oh, why wouldn't, yeah. why wouldn't I start a business? And then I was like, oh, yeah. I, I, I kind of took like a hiatus from golf my freshman year of college. I was like, oh, yeah, I like golf, don't I? That was really how it came on. Like, yeah, yeah right. I got, okay, okay. I I did some first tee stuff when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of – it was just a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Um and that's pretty much just it's been blind. I've been had I've I've had the blinders on ever uh, ever since. Mm-hmm. And um, but you know, as for the financial literacy portion, which is really like the kicker, um, that's that's come into form the last year and a half because I just figured I it just can't be it can't be just golf. Um, mm-hmm. It needs to be an educational, you know, an educational component. Uh, to my organization and mm-hmm. you know, golf teaches you a lot but it doesn't teach you how to survive really yeah. um and i figured you know financial literacy is pretty much just be growing up as a caddy like what else am i listening to for four hours five hours straight people talking about millions of dollars and <laughs> yeah well given where you caddy yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and and um, buying another house or whatever it may be, like yeah. So of course, you know, financial literacy and golf they walk hand in hand, and I just sure. Was, of course, yeah. it had to be it. I, I think it's a. I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I mean, the truth of the matter is, is there's always a need for more financial literacy, and it's not just for young people; it's for a of lot course. of oh adults God. too, right? So it's a very, it's a, it's a very important topic, and it seems to. Um, align pretty well. So, you know, you had the vision, you had a very, like you had tunnel vision about doing this and obviously it's evolving, but I know there was a point where you started to get some help implementing yep. structure and you got some fundraising. Can you tell me about like that, how, how that came to be? Yeah. So, um, uh, there, there was a caddy member tournament back in 2019 mm-hmm. and I met my now lawyer, uh ned corcoran mm-hmm. and as soon as he heard about what i was doing he instantly kind of uh jumped to the opportunity to like get my paperwork done right away 
as yep. soon as possible. So my 501c3 got done um, with him. And uh, once that happened, you know, he has his own net. He has his own network. Of course, he was a cat. He was a, he was a member at the country club and, he, sure. you know, started telling people about it. And I, I was uh, caddying. And so I would continue to talk to people about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, again, he had some buzz around the club and, and so forth. So last November we had our first, uh, like cocktail fundraiser at, you know, uh, the golf course next door. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we raised about 10 grand there. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, we bought the laptop I'm talking to you on right now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, An essential running a business. You don't have exactly. a computer. You don't have a business basically. <laughs> we bought, you know, this nice, nice little printer. Actually we bought a book. We bought some books. We bought a book, but a bunch of them. Um, ever heard of that right there? Maybe it's backwards, but oh wow, yeah, Booker T. Washington up from slavery, yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of like um, it's 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 a it's a story about a guy who was born a slave and got through it and traveled the world in the turn of the nineteenth century, like. Uh-huh. What so what so what made you what what about that book like what inspired you to buy that book? Oh, it's just like it's like telling people to like this guy had it way worse. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um and the you know today, you know, things things, you know, start to get a little you know, trivial and not, you know, not as you know, they take, you know, people. All right. So. So people take things a little bit too seriously these days. And um, it's this is kind of a it's kind of a wake up call. Like they have mm-hmm. a they have a book called Up From Slavery. Like what is it like where at the turn of the 19th century talking about. Oh, you know, it was my hard work that got me through, not my race, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? He's, he's, uh, um, he was conceived, of, he was conceived from rape from the slave master and his mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it puts it, it, puts, just, it puts things in perspective. But the thing is, the, the, the crazy, the, but what it's, he got, he, his name has been sabotaged over the years, though. And that's kind of why I'm kind of bringing him back in the forefront to, you know, help kids uh, understand what he was about because he was very, he was an industrialist. He created uh, the Tuskegee Institute, Mm -hmm. um, you know, with, by hand pretty much, or using the first students built the, built the school itself. And, and it was was an industrial school um, that, you know, just taught kids how to, you know, use their hands. Um, and it, and it was just, you know, it's the most probably, probably my favorite, definitely my favorite, uh, uh, black person in American history or black, you call him an activist. He's more of just, a just, a the man really. <laughs> yeah. Well, I th- listen, I think it's important to have, I mean, I appreciate that. I mean, obviously I know who, 
know of Booker T. Washington. I've never read the book, but I want to read it now. But yeah, I think it's important to have those types of call them role models, right? Like yeah. they're from a different era, but like to have people to look at and have it the, to, to have that perspective of like, hey, like things are really hard, really hard for real. Like at one right. point in the world. And for these people to endure those hardships and then come out the other end and still be known 300 years later, you know, 200 years later right. and have all these accomplishments that are attached to their name and whether the people, what their views on them are, you know, the people are going to have their opinions about everything, unfortunately, they just do. Right. But you, you, it's impossible to deny, to deny the story that you've just told about a man who endured probably the most, you know, heinous sort of, um, you know, you know, thing that you could go through as a person to come through it. And then also like build something from scratch, you know, after having gone through that, that's, that's inspirational. And it's, it's hard to deny whether, whether or not you have a, a positive or negative opinion about what the person did. And for me, one of the books that's very similar to that is different context, but it's called um, uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, which is similar. It's, it was about his his journey through the Holocaust and okay. how he survived the Holocaust. And it was always that same theme of, you know, if I could get through this, yep. then I can, you know, then I could do anything. Right. And that was the meaning. He found meaning in the struggle. And like that book just, you know, sings to me because it's like the things that we go through in this life today are just, they really are trivial, a usual yeah. word, right? Like problem, we all have problems, but it's exactly. our perception of the problems that is really the issue. It's not the problems themselves. Yep. That's what <laughs> right. Saying. Okay. It's not that big of a deal. I'm free. I have a life. I can earn money and have a family. It's like, yep. we'll figure it out versus like, you know, having that self-pity or that depression or despair, like I can't get out of this. Um, so I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, um, it's a great guy. Yeah. So um, tell me more about Ned because I, you know, he was only in a short part of the clip, but I, I just found him to be really um, endearing in the sense that like, you could just tell the fondness that he has for you as a person. You know, it was really, it was really, you know, it was touching because you could tell that he really cares about you and he, he believes in what you're doing. So can you just talk about that relationship a little bit more? Um, I mean, it's it's been great. Um, Ned has just been very helpful along the way. I mean, at the end of the day, he's he's anything legally like that's the guy like mm -hmm. he's he's actually, you know. From what I hear, a, a, a relatively well-known lawyer in the area. And, um, of course, he I can't imagine him getting any complaints. Uh, but he's he's just been great, you know, reaching out to his his friends mm -hmm. and the membership. And um, actually, he has he has a connection with uh, NBC Sports, gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, which was very helpful. And he was actually um, a part of the, the diversity committee for the U.S. Open also. So. Uh, Very interesting. We, yeah, so we got to um, go to this nice um, little charity event on Thursday night, um, and uh, Ned didn't speak. I think he's the financial chair, and he himself with uh, the the chair chair. His name's Macy Russell. Mm -hmm. um, he they did this little internship program. Uh, for kids uh, all around the country, you know, to come from their colleges and, you know, get on, get on, stay on site and, you know, do, you know, uh, you know, learn about the golf industry. 
Um, so they had about 27 kids, uh, you know, out of maybe two, 300 applicants. And um, they did a great job with that. So Ned has, has always, you know, uh, looked out and he's done a lot of work with uh, the first, no, no, not the first team, but um, the boys and girls clubs uh, gotcha. in the area too. So he understands like what needs to be done, how we allocate the money and things of that nature. I still need an accountant, but um, <laughs> he's definitely knows where the money should go to, you know, make sure we get the more, the best out of it or the most out of it. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's really important to have those kinds of resources around you, you know, in terms of understanding that what's really necessary to effectively run a business. Cause you know, just in that you know, minute or two in that response, right? Like you've got legal, you've got accounting, you've got day-to-day operations, you've got fundraising, you've got, right. You got all those things and you're the guy doing it all mostly. Right. But you can't do everything on your own. Right. You need to find good people that can help you. And it sounds like, you know, having somebody like that in your corner, not only to help you with the legal side of it or the financial side of it, but somebody who really believes in what you're doing and is, you know, a supporter, right? A mentor or somebody who really wants to help you get to where you want to go. Cause mm-hmm. it's really hard to do things like this by yourself, you know, yeah, like I mean, as much as you, be- as much as you believe in what you're doing, I'm sure there are days where it's like, man, this is really hard. And I know it sounds like you have a full-time job, right? So you're doing, yeah. you're running the, the not-for-profit and you're doing a full-time job and you're caddying. Like you got a lot no, of, actually, I, I just, I just caddy. Oh, okay. Um, what, what the plan is hopefully I caddy this, I caddy through the season and then once uh, you know the colder months come along, I'll uh, well. I believe by then we should have enough money for where I can uh, do this full time. Full time until awesome. the next until the next caddy season. That's great. Um, so that's that's great. That's, that's the that's the goal. We'll see what happens in six months, six, seven, ten, six, seven, eight months. So is that? Is getting to that level of funding is that just a matter of continuing to fundraise? Um, yeah, but we 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 have it. It just it just how it just how um how everything's gonna get split up. Gotcha. Okay. How how you know how much you know how how long is it gonna be? Is it gonna be four five four? Is it gonna be five months? Is it gonna be six mm-hmm. months? Is it gonna be four months you know what i mean mm-hmm. so we're just trying to figure out the logistics and we'll 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 have that uh probably we'll figure it out before the summer yeah are your are your parents involved at all in running the um no they're not they're not, profit? They're not okay. involved so much um but i do owe my mom 70 bucks for feeding the kids that we brought to the <laughs> yeah so that's about it <laughs> so so it's a very small role but an important one yes, you gotta yes, keep yes. them you gotta keep them fed exactly. <laughs> but my mom so, didn't want to pay for it but she's right so at this point right like obviously the the, the 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 urban golf club is moving forward it's you're growing you've got funding you know this is going to become you know for you personally a full-time venture in the very near future so what's what's the long-term goal for all this like what do you want this to become down the road um well i would love our own our own space of course okay. um whether that's like an indoor facility with 
you know, classrooms and simulators and putting greens and things like that. Um, really like, you know, have a couple levels to it, whatever it may be, like it's gonna be, you know, just a golf facility in mm-hmm. in the, the inner cities of Boston, right? And hopefully, you know, we can have another place, another, you know, another place one day. I'd love to, you know, venture out to even New York or Chicago one of these days, right? That was gonna be my next question. Yeah. Um, so, and take it as far as we can, especially, especially in the North, you know, where golf isn't year round, Yeah, kind of like where it like matters most, um, you know, Detroit, places like that. And, um, you know, just be, be nationwide. Um, and shit, I'll go to London and help those guys out <laughs> if I can. Yeah. Um, but Ultimately, I'd love to, you know, just really show. <laughs> I, I kind of want to show people how it's done. You know what I mean? Like I do. Because at the end of the day, it's not being done well, in my opinion. Um, so, of course, the kids are, you know, number one priority. But, um, you know, if we're talking longer, you know, I want. I want my own, you know, course. Um, you know, I would if whether it's close by or you know it's hard to get land anywhere in Massachusetts mm-hmm. like that anyway. But um, or if it's something that I can figure out in the Midwest and you know take kids there for yeah. a couple of weeks out of the summer or whatever it may be, or have some type of retreat there uh, for anybody who would like to you know come and support the kids um because i would you know anything anything that i would do like in terms of of course i'm a nonprofit organization every every piece every penny is going into is getting reinvested um and what i what i want to do because i do so i do some golf course design myself interesting yeah and um i've i've do i have one second can i yeah You got sketches? Yeah. So I don't know how the how you gonna see this. Yeah, it's tough. But it's it's very like geometric. I don't know if you can see it. It's a little easier there. But um I you know, I want to design my own golf course in the Midwest somewhere. I've actually <laughs> I'm crazy, right? And my lawyer would agree. um so on a couple occasions you know i didn't use any any business funds or anything like that but uh i took it upon myself to fly to wyoming and um try to uh reach 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 out to kanye at his ranch how'd that work out i mean i gotta you know just Couple, couple of nice conversations with the security. <laughs> okay, got to, got to start somewhere. And um, that's really like how, I, how I kind of got inspired to design those things. I was like, 
if it was if there was a golf course at Kanye's place, what would it look like? And so it's just a bunch of shape, you know, shaped bunkers like triangle bunkers, you know, rhombus bunkers, whatever it may be. Like okay, all right, that 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 helps me picture the visual a little bit better than the, yeah. trying to see the this like the legit like legit rectangle greens and uh, triangular greens things this is like super that. interesting idea man yeah i'll, I'll even um I'll, I'll figure it out I'll, I'll, I'll let you see them but um yeah so i was just like he has a flat because you can only do stuff like that on flat land and it's like very flat over there i kind of wanted it was like oh you know just trying to check out the topography of the blah 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 because i'm a golf course mm-hmm. designer and i lied of course i'm not a registered <laughs> golf course designer but you know, it sounds cool. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I'm very inspired by people like that. I I hold I hold uh, Kanye. I hold Kanye to 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 a modern day Booker T. Washington in a in a, in a way. I I think you know what I what I hear in your voice is just somebody who's is is truly an entrepreneur, right? Like you've got a ton of ideas. You know they're good ideas, right? Because it's working, right? What you're doing is working. You understand there's a need for w- the services that you provide to the right. community, and it's working, right? And so, yeah, it's it's only natural to look at other people who are highly successful and have taken a lot of risk and tried a lot of different things to look at them and hold them in high esteem. And I do too, right? Like it's not it's a, it's easy to criticize. It's hard to go out and do. Exactly. And you're going out and doing like, you're like, I'm going to do this, you know, whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. And like, I respect that because I know how hard it can be to try to do things from scratch on your own, yeah. you know, with no clue where it's going to end, no clue where it's going to end up. It takes a lot of faith. Thank you. And, um, you know, I got stood up by like Tiger Woods's right hand lady for coffee once. She didn't stand me up, but she was like, oh, we're doing this project. She's oh we can't do coffee anymore. So I mean I'll always reach out. You know you know I'll the thing is I'll I'll stick my you neck have out. to I'll stick my neck out exactly. You got to especially for something that's you know I believe in as much as this. It's just I figure I figured who would say no if they have the right type of you know money and of course heart. Yeah, you know and I mean? and you don't know if they're gonna say no until you ask the question. Exactly. Right, and so you, 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 for for what you're doing, you know, you've got to be okay with being rejected. You know, oh what? like I got to ask the question. It's important to me. I think I have a good idea. I think they'll like it. If they don't like it, that's their problem. I'll move on to the next person because you know I can. I have to have thick skin, and I that's that's very unique. You know, in terms exactly. of being able to do that. But when you believe in something, which you know, I feel the same way about what I do, is when you believe yeah. in something, you just keep going, right? Like right. that was something I took out of the, the interview, right? Like you, your your father, I think, was the one who said you're stubborn as heck. You know, is do you think yeah. that's a do you think that's a fair characterization? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he would know <laughs> better than anyone. You know, I I got it from him. So, <laughs> hey. It, it, it works in your favor a lot of times. Sometimes sure. it works against us, but when you're trying to do something important, being stubborn and going forward and, and not stopping until you've seen it through is really, is really uh, not an easy thing to do. And it's admirable. I appreciate that. And, um, you know, it's just, so what else am I going to do <laughs> at this point? At this point, there's nothing else for me to do, but to, you know, put my, put the pedal to the metal and, and, yep. and just, 
you know, kick doors down. Yep. So I, I guess as, as I, as we I say, we'll wrap up here. Yeah. Um, I usually ask the same question at the end of all of my podcast interviews and sometimes it takes a different shape depending on who I'm talking to. And I was trying to think about how I would ask you the question, but I guess what I would, the way I would frame it is, is if you had to give one piece of advice to somebody who wanted to chase their vision, chase their dream, right? Someone who wants to be an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. what would that piece of advice be? Um, Well, it's it's kind of two things, right? Okay. Make sure that you're doing it better or working harder than anybody else at at it, whatever it may mm-hmm. be, or make sure that you're the you're or you're the only person doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So right. that's if you if you're if you're in if you're in a field that you want to be successful in and you're not you know, getting at it every day, 1% every day type of thing. Or, you know, in some cases, if you want real results, you know, you'll dedicate a lot more than that every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but 1% every day, you know, that goes a while, that goes a long time. That goes, you know, that's three months. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're really working at something. And then, um, yeah. And if, if you're, but if you're in your own lane, you just, you just kind of just put your head down and, and keep going. Yeah. And don't, you know, and where not even, you know, you want to work as hard as the person trying to do it better than everybody else. But sometimes like like I'm not saying nothing, nothing here came easy, but it came naturally. Right. Nothing, nothing that I'm doing now is has has come easy, but it definitely came. It's definitely like a natural feeling like. I love that. And I, and I really relate to that, right? Like, you know, when you believe in something, right, it's not easy. I get that, right? Because every day can be hard when things aren't going the way we want them to. Mm-hmm. But it's natural in the sense that, like, you believe in it, right? It's, it's part of you, right? Yeah. It always makes sense, you know? It's, <laughs> and, and I think that that's really important, right? So I think it kind of speaks to if you're going to start a venture, whatever it is that you believe, you know, you have to believe in it, right? You don't just start a business because you think you can make money and you start a business, you do it because you believe in it. And eventually the success will come because you believe in it and you're willing to put in the effort mm-hmm. and the time and the energy into it being successful, which is basically what you've described. Yeah. 100%. And it's just, to, for me, it was always um, like five years ago. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to be a part of this open one way or another. Like, Oh, it was just a like five years ago, six years ago. I'm in the caddy yard saying this shit, and you're good. Um, it's 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 like this kid's crazy. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, or or what I say, like, oh, it's just a matter of time. Like I've said that for a long. I've been saying that for a long time. It's just a matter of time. Like, but um. Yeah, I mean, I'm blessed to be where I am now, and we're just getting started, and I'm, I'm excited to see what's what's going to happen next because I just know that it, you know it's only I'm only going to get more. It's only I'm only going to get more attention as 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 long as I keep running around the city or cities eventually. <laughs> 
it's only a matter of time. I, I have no doubt that you are going to achieve whatever it is that you set your mind to. It sounds like you've already already checked a lot of those boxes, but there's exactly. so much more to come. So I can't wait to see how things go for you. Uh, I'll definitely be, definitely be paying attention. So thanks thank for you. coming on to the podcast. It was great yeah. talking to you again, Marco. No thank you, Michael. You're welcome. All right. So, what's your biggest takeaway from my conversation with Marcos Ball? My biggest takeaway is that Urban Golf Club's core values of patience, humility, and accountability are critical to success in golf, sports, and life in general. Taking on the greatest challenges and making ourselves very uncomfortable is what generates the greatest growth. In that sense, golf is a microcosm of life. Marcos is doing great work helping young people build these traits. My suggestion to young athletes is to gravitate toward those coaches, mentors, and friends that challenge you to be your best, even if you don't always like what they have to say. Being able to look in the mirror and acknowledge what you see with complete honesty is a sign of great character. I want to thank Marcos for his kind generosity and the wisdom he shared with the Freshman Foundation community. You can learn more about Marcos and Urban Golf Club by visiting their website, www.urbangolfclub.org and their Instagram page at Urban Golf Club. To learn how mental performance coaching can help your mind work for you rather than against you, visit michaelvhuber.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you back soon for episode 57. Mike Huber is the founder and owner of Follow the Ball Coaching located in Fairhaven, New Jersey. He is a mental performance coach and business advisor dedicated to serving athletes just like you reach their full potential on and off the court. The Freshman Foundation is all about helping you get to the next level. For more information, follow along on Instagram at The Freshman Foundation. Please subscribe. Give us a like on iTunes, Spotify, leave a review, tell a friend. Most importantly, come back in two weeks. Ready? to get better.